John 14, verses 1 through 9, uh, have a recording of uh, just some interesting dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. And it is part of a major discourse uh, that the Apostle John writes in his gospel. And it records more than any other gospel the final words of Jesus before he goes to be crucified. And in John 14, verse 1, we pick up in the middle of this discourse where he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You know where I am going, and you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you such a long time, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me, has seen the Father. This last statement of Jesus confirms who he is as a human and who he is as God the Creator. This confirmation that Jesus states echoes the prophet Isaiah. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The Christ is the Mighty God. The Christ is the Eternal Father. The Christ is the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus. Jesus was surprised that his followers had not understood this yet. He's talking to them about these things. And they're like, well, how do we know the way? How do we know where you're going? He says, I am the way. (laughs) You can't go any further except through me. If you want to go where I'm going, you have to go through me. And so Jesus uh, takes it further and he says, you know who the Father is. You've, you've seen him now. And Philip's like, well, Lord, show us the Father. And that'll be sufficient. It'll be fine. And Jesus says, Philip, I've been with you all this time. You still don't get it. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Uh, Philip wants to see the Father. And he's talking about the Father. And Jesus says, how do you not know me yet? Notice how Jesus asks the question. 
Philip, show us the Father. Jesus says, how do you not know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For that son who would be born according to Isaiah is also called the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And now the mighty God in Christ is speaking with his followers in this final discourse before his crucifixion. And he makes statements such as, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So I'm going to go away to prepare the place, but I will come again and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I'm departing from this body now, but I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth, will teach you all things. Jesus is making all of these statements in John 14. And Jesus continues and encourages them that the Holy Spirit will remind them of everything he's told them. He will bring it to your remembrance. But then Jesus makes a statement as he wraps up this portion. He makes this statement that has waves of revelation. You can read through it and you're like, that's nice. And then you read through it again and if you use your brain and just think about it a little bit more, you're like, it's an interesting way that he said it. And then you think about it a little bit more and you're like, this just has some weight behind it. Where Jesus makes this statement in John 14, 27. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This was a common way of saying goodbye in those days. In that culture where you leave and part of your goodbye is you know, you leave peace with them, so to speak. Where we, you know, we're out, peace out. You know, that's how we do it nowadays. We don't really understand, we're, but in our mind, we're not like, you know, I, I, I leave peace with you. I, I, you know, we're just like, peace out. So, it's not the same. But even though Jesus was filling a cultural standard as he's getting ready to depart, Jesus fulfilled a lot of cultural standards but when Jesus did it, it was just different. And he uh, was instituting something. He was making an impact in the lives of his followers that even us today, we need to make sure we get. Uh, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. See, Jesus wasn't just leaving for the night to go to his house and he'd see them next week. No, Jesus is getting ready to endure an incredible and awful torture. And, but yet this crucifixion, his death, burial, and resurrection would bring about a new life and a new hope for all who would come to him and follow him. And so then Jesus is talking about going away to this place he's preparing for his followers, and uh, fear not, I, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you with me so that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus 
this, this is a big deal. And he just says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let's read this statement one more time. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. First thing we need to understand is you can't give what you don't have. Which is just an extra revelation even to that one. Peter uh, in Acts 3 with John is headed to the temple to pray. And there's the lame man and he's asking for alms. And Peter says, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, give I to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter gave the lame man what he had. What was it? Well, he received power when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word is uh, lends itself to miracle power, dunamis, this supernatural ability. The Holy Ghost does that. And so Peter is exercising this power and this authority that he was given through the infilling of the Spirit of God. And so he says, what I have, give I to you. You can't give what you don't have, but you can give what you do have. Peter didn't have money, so he couldn't give him money. But what he did have was the power of the Holy Spirit in him, and he gave of that to the lame man. And that lame man got up and walked. So we understand you can't give what you don't have, but the peace that Jesus gave in this verse is not a general quality that he passed out, where he says, peace I leave you, peace I give you. He said, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. That's what we need to understand about this. It's not just peace, because peace in a general sense, it means a calmness. And sometimes it can lend itself to even this tranquility, so to speak. But the peace of Jesus, the peace that the Bible talks about, the peace of God, you can't get that anywhere else but from God. So you and I could come up with versions of peace, and it may fix the issue temporarily because you feel peace when you go out. I mean, we, um, I, I'll explain it like this. We found a, a beach um, over in the headlands a while back and we hiked down to it and it was nice and we got down there and then we looked back up the hill and we're like, ah, oh, we got to walk back up that. Well, let's just stay down here for a while. And so we did that and uh, we haven't been back since because it's not place you want to go when you just want to go real quick. You need to plan for at least a half a day so that you don't hate your life walking back up. It's not really that bad, but you know, walking uphill for like a mile or two, you're just going to get tired after a while, especially when you have uh, a four-year-old that, you know, not very long up the hill. He's like, Daddy, I'm tired. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I gain an extra 40 pounds real quick. And I'm like, well, this is this is a good reminder to not eat too many cookies because I'd never want to gain an extra 40 pounds because I can barely walk. So we're going up. So we go down. We find this beach. I forget the name of it, but it's just tucked away. And there's these this just little 
cove of trees or whatever um, right here and then the beach it just this nice little part of the bay and the, the Golden Gate Bridge is just like right there and so but it's so secluded but you're so close to the city and you're sitting there and the 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 water is crashing up against the 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 shore and it's super relaxing and uh, you feel peace and then I was sitting there looking, and I was like, not very far away is San Francisco, which has all sorts of chaos and issues in it, and just so much lack of peace, so many problems of sorts over there, but here, I feel peace. And so I'm out in creation, out in nature. And so you realize all the problems that are in the world come from people. If you're not around people, there's no problems. <laughs> so you're out here in nature, and you're like, hey, life isn't so bad. And then you get around a bunch of people, and you're like, oh, man. you know. So you can feel versions of peace in different scenarios and different settings, but when you want the peace of God, there's only one way to get it. He's got to give it to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And this peace Jesus was talking about was not some general thing. It was his. It was his peace that he gave. And then he says, I'm not giving this to you the way the world gives. Because Jesus does not give like the world gives. Because Jesus does not love like the world loves. Remember, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And if you love, you will give. And so, in order for Jesus to give peace the way he gives it, that first means he loves at a level that the world does not love at. His peace that he gives is enough. So, he doesn't give it. The way the world gives, the way God gives is not the way that the world gives. And we need to understand that the peace of God is enough. It's not that we need the peace of God and some pills. It's not that we need the peace of God and this or this or this to get me through in this continual reliance. We've got to get to this point as people of God that we truly Put our trust in hope in the word of God where it says cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Pray with thanksgiving and the peace that passes understanding will keep your heart and mind. That's what the word says. So we have to believe it. We have to live it. We have to apply that. But we got to understand the peace of God doesn't run out. It's like, well used a lot of peace this week. God's like, I mean, remember, you know, if you want to live to 85, you're going to need to kind of ration out my peace. No. He gives it, and it's enough. It doesn't run out. And if we love him and keep his commandments, you don't have to worry about losing it. It surpasses understanding. It guards your heart and mind. And peace is simply the result of righteousness. The Bible tells us that. Isaiah tells us that. Psalms talks about it. Peace of God 
is a result of righteousness. Righteousness is right living. What is right living? Well, according to God's standard, which I don't know if that's significant to you or not, but God's standard of right living is living according to his word. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen? Okay. The outcome of all of this is the peace of God. But it is the quality of living in the realm of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God transcends anything here on earth. It transcends government. It transcends your home. It transcends your workplace. It transcends any nation or earthly ruler. The kingdom of God is greater. And it doesn't matter where you go as a Christian. The kingdom of God in your life transcends where you are. So you don't live by one set of rules in here and another set of rules out there. You don't have that luxury as as a child of God. If you're in the kingdom of God, you answer to and live by the values of the kingdom of God above all things. So the rule, but the benefit of that is you get the benefits of the kingdom of God. (laughs) So you may, you may stick out like a sore thumb at the workplace sometimes because you are not living according to the standards of the world, but you're living according to the standards of of the word of God, but you also get the benefits and promises that come from the word of God. And so the ruling authority of God's kingdom is not oppressive and chaotic. No, as 14.17 tells us that it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. What does that mean? It means you can rest in the middle of a storm. Mark 4, we read the account. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, the psalmist knew who he was. In Psalm 46.10, he writes, Be still and know that I am God. Notice how the knowledge comes after the stillness. Be still and know that I am God. Well, we don't need to think of this in literal terms of be still. No, we're talking about quiet your spirit. Quiet your mind. Anybody can relate? You got a, a, a billion things running through your mind. Is it, anyone ever been there? I got this, I got this, I got this going through my mind. I'm about to lose my mind. Be, uh, 
okay? So what do you do? You quiet your mind. You be still. You shut it all down. You Every distraction, every anxious thought, every depressive thought, every worry, every fret, every care, you shut it all down and you say, I'm not dwelling on this because you still have a will. You still can control your mind. And we've got to get to a point where we say, no, I am going to stop all of this and I'm going to be still and I'm going to quiet my mind and I'm going to let God rule and reign. Be still and then know that I'm God. Be still and then you're going to get this knowledge, this awareness that whatever it is you're going through is not greater than your God. Whatever it is you're focused on is not greater than the God who saved you. So focus on Him. We want to know Him. You're not going to get to know Him in chaos. You need to be still. You need to be silent. You need to take time and get alone and let God speak. And so part of this, this stillness, this quietness, we, we see in this story where Jesus is sleeping on the boat, okay? There's a storm. It's a windstorm. Waves are crashing, right? Okay, it's not an easy ride. It's a bumpy ride. Jesus is sleeping. But obviously, it was bad enough to freak people out in the boat. It's not just like, oh, these are some choppy waves. It was enough to incite fear, and they're freaking out. And Jesus is sleeping, and like, do you not care about us? Peace, be still. Why are you so fearful? Why don't you have any faith? And they're like, who is this guy that we're in the boat with that even the wind and the waves obey him? Here's something. You don't have to understand everything about Jesus before you can follow him. But if you stop following him, you're never going to see him for who he really is. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment. Well, I just don't understand all this stuff, so I'm done. No, the disciples didn't even know who they were in the boat with, but they kept following him. So I promise you that if you will commit to I following Jesus all the way. There's going to come a day that you're going to be like Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, and you're going to see Jesus for who he really is. He's more than just a man, but he is the Lord from heaven. And so, you know, I encourage whoever you may be that that was for, you need to make up in your mind, even though I don't understand it all yet, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm following Jesus all the way. So Jesus, sleeping, he gets up, peace be still. Well, Jesus said, my peace I give you. You can't give what you don't have. But then Jesus in this storm stands up and says, peace be still. And it happened. You can't give what you don't have, but you also can't speak what you don't have. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The disciples had fear, 
so they spoke fear. Jesus had peace, so he spoke peace. Later, in post-Pentecost, in Acts 12, Peter is sleeping in a prison between soldiers scheduled to be executed in the morning. What changed? Peter got peace. Peter got peace. In the boat, he's afraid. But after all of this, now the apostle is sleeping, even though he's supposed to die in the morning. That's the power of peace. That's the power of peace. The next day could be the end. You could be at the end. It don't matter. That's the power of peace. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. And in John 15, Jesus warns his disciples that the world will not love them. <laughs> Jesus tells his followers that. He says, if the world loves you, then you know, that means you're one of them. But Jesus says, I have chosen you out of the world. So if they hate you, they hate me. If they receive you, they receive me. Because he says a servant is not greater than his master. But in John 16, Jesus continues to warn and comfort his disciples. And he makes a statement that needs to be clearly understood by us today. John 16, 33. After telling them all of this, and some of the news was pretty bleak. It's like some of you are going to die. They're going to persecute you. They're going to kill some of you, and they're going to think they're going to be doing it for God. But I've told you all these things so that in me you might have peace. He tells them all of this bad news, if you will, and he says, but I told you all this so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you'll have trouble or tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In me... You'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Notice Jesus did not say that he would remove them from the tribulation, but merely that what is going on around you doesn't have to get in you. You can have the peace of God in you and trouble around you. And according to Jesus, that's normal for a Christian. In the world, but not of the world. We don't serve the prince of this world. We serve the prince of peace. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're hard pressed on every side. Yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. What's in me is different than what's going on around me. Trouble around me, peace within me. That's why Peter could sleep between soldiers. That's why Jesus could sleep in a storm. It's not any kind of peace, though. It's the peace of God. It'll get me through anything anything. The peace of God will get you through anything. You come up with the scenario, the peace of God will get you through it because 
the one to whom this peace belongs is the same one who said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So regardless of what we go through, the peace of God is powerful enough to get you through it because the one from whom you're getting that peace is the same one who overcame the world that may be bringing trouble against you. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. As we close tonight, notice how Jesus talks about two things in John 14. If you read the chapter, you'll see it. He mentions his peace and his presence. He makes statements like, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. But he also, in the same chapter, says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. We see this pattern. He left his peace, but he sent his presence. What's significant about that? Well, go wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. These are statements Jesus made after his resurrection. But before his crucifixion, he left peace. We understand then that peace is the introduction to his presence. It's the introduction. Notice Luke 2, 8 through 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The announcement of his presence came with a pronouncement of peace. The announcement of his presence came with a pronouncement of peace. What does that mean? If you sense peace, that means Jesus is here. If there's peace in your home, Jesus is in your home. If there's peace in your life, Jesus is in your life. Not just any peace. I'm talking about peace that passes understanding. Peace that doesn't make sense to human reasoning. Peace that causes those around you to be like, what's different about them? No, I have the peace of God. Jesus gave me his peace. And it doesn't make sense to the world mindset or world system. But it is something that is keeping me. It's keeping my mind. I'm not losing my mind because I have the peace of God. I'm not going crazy because I have the peace of God. If there's peace in your life, Jesus is in your life. It doesn't really matter what's going on around you as long as the peace of God is in you. Whatever's going on around you doesn't really matter 
as long as the peace of God is in you. Because in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, can I share something about you, Jeanette? It's completely safe, yeah. So when Jeanette received the gift of the, the Holy Ghost back in June, Brother Morgan was here. Uh, she was praying, and you could tell she she was wanting a breakthrough, wanting more of God. And um, so we went back to pray for him. He he just was talking to her. He really helped her that day, and it was a obviously it was a monumental day in her life, but. When he went to go pray for her, he made a statement. And you, we could sense it. He said, I sense peace. You could feel the peace of God in that moment, right there. Peace of God. I feel peace. He said, that means the Lord is not far from you. Just embrace the peace, so to speak. Let God fill you with the Spirit. Moments later, she is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and she will tell you her life has not been the same since then. And the journey that God has brought her on is one that, you know, uh, God's going to use her mightily. But she, she has said many times that, uh, you know, this is the real thing. This is what I've been missing. But the moment, but the moment that the, the, the presence of God filled her, the Spirit of God filled her, it was preceded by peace. Peace is the introduction to his presence. When I, I've been in powerful prayer meetings, just and what I mean by prayer meetings, I'm talking about just me. <laughs> and praying, and all of a sudden you'll feel. Just this peace fill the room, this calmness, this stillness. And you feel a depth of the presence of God come into that room at a level that it's, it's, more, than, it's more than chill bumps. It's more than just a, oh, wow, you know, God was really moving. No, it, it was this, this weighty presence. It, peace is the introduction to his presence. We, we've had services where we've gathered together and, and you feel the chaos and you, you feel the distraction and the confusion and you, and you feel you can sense it in the room. Everybody's mind is somewhere else but not here. And there's no peace in the room. And you feel, and it's like, Lord have mercy. What do we got to do? What, I mean, what, what, what are we going to do today to get, get us like, I know, God, where you want to go, but this is where we're starting, God. And, uh, you know, like, what's, what's going on? And we start singing. We start singing the word of God, the songs. And, and all of a sudden, you feel the unity begin to take place because everyone's mind is going off of their issues, and it's being focused on God. And when your mind is focused on God, he can give you that peace. And, and, and all of a sudden, you feel presence of God begin to fill the room and, and God begins to minister and, and there's peace and there's, there's this strength and there's this help. Don't lose that. 
Don't lose that peace where there's this, there's this aspect where we've got to come and kind of revive it. Now, every day, submit to the Word of God. Submit to God. Submit yourself to the Lord. Walk according to His Word. And regardless of what's going on in your life, or what's regardless of what's taking place in the world, if you will submit to the Prince of Peace, He will give you peace that passes understanding. Got to live according to the word. You and I have to make sure we are in alignment with the Prince of Peace so that He can give us that peace. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. It's not going to run out. There's no trial you're going to go through that's going to be greater than my peace. But we can't be like disciples in the boat don't you care about me Jesus feels like Jesus is sleeping don't you care about me no maybe what we should do is not take his nap as an insult but take his nap as a suggestion of how we should be responding to the storm if Jesus is doing nothing maybe we should do nothing because he had a peace, so he's sleeping. He's just resting. Well, when you have peace, you can rest, even in the middle of a storm.